This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Settling in a new city can raise lots of questions. How does the bus service work? Can I join the local library? Where do I go to get advice on renting a home? Over the next half hour, the team from Citizens Advice Bureau bring you information of special interest to new migrants to Dunedin. Welcome to Settlement Information with Citizens Advice Bureau. Kia ora koutou to our listeners today. Um, ko Anna Toku Ingoa. My name is Anna. Ko te pau whakawhiranaki o Otipoti Toku Mahi. I work as the manager at Citizens Advice Bureau Dunedin. Today, Venu, one of our marvellous volunteers, is here with me again. And our guest, Philip de Watna from WorkRights. Tina Korua. Welcome to you two. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. So um, we have many client inquiries from migrants around employment rights and responsibilities, and today we're going to cover some of the common issues we, we're asked about. So we often get people after a situation is deteriorated. Um, so, you know, talking to the employer is recommended as the first step. Um, what do you advise if someone has a dispute with their employer in the first instance? It's a rights-based system in New Zealand which has its strengths and, and, and enormous weaknesses because there's a power imbalance here. So there's a presumption in the law that everyone's got the same knowledge and ability and power to engage representation and support yeah. when crucial issues arrive. But you touched on something really important that we'll just deal with briefly because it's the core of it. It's about the method of communication. I wouldn't talk in the first instance to the employer. I would put it in writing in the first instance to the employer and invite them to a meeting or ask them could they meet. And I'd get someone, family friend, support person, someone in support just mm. to come along to the meeting and make sure that you prepare on writing before what you want to say to the employer. Don't demand answers on the spot. Say to them, look, think about this and get back to us, and then go away. And they'll either go and talk to their lawyer or their employment advisor and go, gee, we might have just got that wrong. Now, that's my experience in the old days when we had universal union coverage. We engaged in communication. Nowadays, because because it's a rights-based system and people don't necessarily, in most, most of the economy, have automatic representation, there's a higher risk that it'll become adversarial. That mm-hmm. is, they'll start battling with lawyers or whatever right from the start. So that's what I'd recommend that you do. Just make sure you record what you're saying and provide the time to sit down and put out what you're saying, even if you put it in an email or have someone in the family help you with it. Make sure there's a record of two things. Asking for an opportunity to meet and setting out, from your perspective only, how you see the problem. So don't use you terms, say I think this or I think that, so that you're inviting them into a conversation to find out what their view is. And it gives people a chance to save face, admit they've made a mistake yeah. and, and move on and, and maintain the relationship. So yeah. just want to emphasise that in all your dealings in employment, it's the most successful model I've encountered. Yeah, and, and that taking notes and recording everything's... Yeah, yeah. like having a timeline. Yep. Makes sense. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like me being a volunteer in Citizens Advice Bureau, and we get lots of calls, mm-hmm. like inquiries about the 90 day trial period. What would you tell us about the rights of both the sides, employee and the employer? Okay. There's a couple of things I'll do. It's probably best to say it now. Um, there's some very good. Um, information provided on employment.govt.nz 
Yes, we use that a lot. And, and, and when you get to something like this, you can go straight to a trial. I did this because I prepared for this today. Go to the trial period section. And it's a bit like what I said before. Read this sort of stuff up, particularly if you've just applied for a job and they've said we've got a trial period, or if they mm-hmm. haven't, then there's a problem because if you start the job without having signed an employment agreement that has a written trial period in it, there is no trial period. Yeah. Okay, so we suggest them to go to the website, employment website, and have just a read. Just if they're unsure about it, tell them to, yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. it's a great website, and, and there's all sorts of other good things there. So those everyday questions you're getting from people coming and seeing you, particularly migrant people, yeah. if you've got someone senior or been in the country longer or that they can rely on as a family member or a, a respected person that they can trust, then they might sit down with them and just just with a computer and look at this stuff because then we can apply it to the given situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. So, you know, if things sort of move past that and um, it's not resolved, um, people can bring a personal grievance, you know, which is like a formal complaint, I guess, um, for various things, unjustified dismissal, discrimination, racial or sexual harassment, what what would you have to say about that and any pitfalls or, you know, what's the process? The and process wh- isn't too bad, Anna, because what you can do in a situation like that is there's a generic term in employment law and in the Employment Relations Act and it's called employment relationship problem. And you're right. It can escalate to a formal personal grievance procedure where people might want an advocate like us or a lawyer or their union to put it formally in writing and make demands for compensation and because you can't raise a personal grievance in the formal process without advising the other party, in this case it's always an employer, what it is that you want. Yeah. And it's very limited. People don't realise this. It's limited to reinstatement if you've lost your job, reimbursement for loss of wages if you've lost your job, and compensation for humiliation, stress and injury to feeling if you've lost the job. So that looks after the more, I suppose phenomenal type of personal grievance most people know about with the big reports in the paper. But the everyday employment relationship problems can also be covered by what's known as an employment relationship problem, as I said before, personal grievance, which is for disadvantage. So you're not, you haven't lost your job, but something's gone wrong or been done wrong, or when you took the job on, you were told you were going to get this many hours, or there was something else in the employment agreement that you don't think's being complied with. Then again, like I said earlier, that first stage, invite them to a discussion, put it in writing, let them know before the meeting what your problem is, listen to the explanation and make your decision then. Then go to an advisor. There's plenty of people out there. I mean, a lot of us will do the first consultation free just so that we can feel for what people are doing. And if it's if it's pointless for them engaging in an expensive, long legal battle, yeah. um, we'll attempt to get early mediation or just mm. pick up the phone and talk to the employer and say, look, we think there's a problem. Can we talk about it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, mediation always helps, is it? Like, we do refer to employment relations and give them the number. And if there is a conflict between the employer and the employee, we do uh, tell our clients, like, you can go for mediation. How does the process go? Like, yeah, well, mediation is very helpful because it's run by MBIE, MB, mm. as they're called. It's the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment. And they've got some very good people in the MB office. So yeah. unrepresented staff will often go to them and say, I'm an employee. I'm not represented by anyone. What can I do? And they'll tell people. And yeah. again, go, as I said before, you'll, you'll also find this if you want to check it later in employment.govt.nz. Yeah. When you 
click on mediation, you, you get the whole process described, including who you should be contacting and how to arrange it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. okay. It, it's, it's a very good website. It we, is. we do refer yeah, to we it. We do refer. Yeah. But I think the important thing is I wouldn't just refer someone to it. it no, I mean, we, we talk through yeah. it with them. Yes, that's yes, what I'm saying. Yes, yeah, we, yeah. Do, we do. That's great. We do go to the website and we, mm. they are having an access to a computer. We'll ask them to go to the website and, you know, we mm. just. Good. Yeah. Okay. Just we see clients who feel they are treated differently. This is uh, where I'm coming from when the employer is a migrant and the employees as well uh, as well as a migrant. This is a situation and they think the mi migrant employees are treated differently when they have both a local people employed and the migrants employed in the same organization, mm -hmm. the migrants feel that they've been treated differently. Yeah. So. Okay, look, there's a couple of issues in there that we need to talk about. Generally speaking, as I said, it's a rights-based system, and the Human Rights Commission prescribe a whole lot of activities that go beyond employment law, but do also include while you're at work. And yet, in fact, both of you talked about something earlier on, I think, in one of the previous questions, and I didn't talk about it specifically. But, like, if you've got racial harassment, sexual harassment, bullying, anything like that, then you can di differentiate it from whichever um, type of problem it is and work out where the best place to go is. Because in some instances, um, there needs to be a discussion. The employer needs to be aware there's a problem. So... Again, as I said before, there's probably a gentle way of doing that, which is to arrange to talk to them about it, probably with a support person, tell them that you're concerned about it, and give them the opportunity to correct it. It's the reverse side, if you like, of the disciplinary process that a lot of us are familiar with that employees have to go through. Employers, too, need the odd warning. Mm. They need that discussion. They don't want to bolt from the blue and a lawyer banging down their door and asking for a fortune that's going to put them out of business. Yeah. What they need to know is they've got it wrong or... What they thought was okay is not okay behaviour in any of those areas. But getting back to your example, that's a double problem because yeah. you've got probably a lack of awareness for the migrant employer and they need to have some insight and understanding that whatever it is that they're doing is unacceptable. Yeah, That's got to be removed from the employment relationship, otherwise it simply becomes a personal battle of wits. So again, I think that's a case for bringing in someone from outside that's fairly experienced in the field of employment relations and saying, look, we need to talk to my employer about this. Because it, it's very problematic because you've got issues for a lot of people of um, visas for being yes. here and working. Yes, so yes. immigration in New Zealand, I think, has been appalling. Mm. Um, in the last 20 years... Um, they haven't been taking due care of the employment relationship. I'm sure they require employment agreements and stuff once they were required by law, but they're not taking a lot of responsibility for some outrageous behaviours that happen behind closed doors, and we see the employment law cases coming out of the court to verify this. So it's, it's really bad when there's a, a power imbalance and someone's got to hold over someone because they've got a work visa and they're the employer. So I think early on, somebody that's got fears and concerns that comes to yourselves or somebody else needs to sit down and form a plan for how you're going to deal with that. Because the employer needs to be on notice that there's some risks for them as well. You've got to appeal mm -hmm. to their personal self-interest in this so that they realise 
that there, yeah. there's going to be a cost for anything that's inappropriate about what they're doing. Mm. Yeah, recently we did have few clients with this particular issue, mm -hmm. the employer and the employee being migrants, mm -hmm. and there was harassment, mm. a bullying. He had a bit of a disability, he felt that they were laughing at yeah. it as well. Well, that's the same for anyone in New Zealand, like you said earlier on, and I answered, everyone's got the same set of rights in this country, and you're quite right, it's the same for migrant, migrant workers. And anything that's unacceptable, as I said, can be identified Sometimes it might be identified as workplace bullying. Sometimes it might be identified as something the Human Rights Commission are going to look at mm. yeah. because you can't, you can't mistreat someone because they've got a disability as an employee mm -hmm. and you can't, um, you know, discriminate. Right. Yeah. You, you can't do both. You can't lodge with the Human Rights Commission and take a personal grievance, can you? Well, yeah, the, once the personal grievance process has started, you can't. But right. there are some preliminaries. You're free to go and talk to everyone. So, I mean, I've had people come and talk to me and I've listened to what they've said and I've thought, well, why should they spend money paying me or a lawyer to do their case? They can actually go and ask, because it's discrimination, they can ask the Human Rights Commission yeah. to use their preliminary pre-mediation process mm -hmm. to look at the matter, talk to the other party and attempt to mediate it. And that's, that's helpful because that's confidential and allows, as I said earlier on, take the heat out of it and let people save face and um, change their behaviour and move on. Mm. Yeah, most of the cases we deal with, as you said, we take them through mediation and we even sit with them for more than 12, 13 hours, you know, different dates. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, they are scared of their, you know, status like work visa and stuff. We do so much to them and they just withdraw everything. What do you want to tell them? Yeah, because they're well, worried it, about their well, I think visa it comes, I status. think it comes, it comes back to what I just said earlier. I think you have to have somebody, an experienced um, employment practitioner, whether it's an employment lawyer, advocate or union official, that can sit down and put all those issues that are there for that person to be concerned about on the table. Yeah, well, well what are we going to do? What's it going to approach going to be mm. about letting immigration know that this is an unacceptable employer? Because they've now changed... Yeah. The government's now changed the, the requirements of employers mm -hmm. and there's more of an emphasis now on them complying with all the law, including the employment laws. Yeah. Uh, and local MPs are quite helpful with that. They can't run and hide if someone comes and says, look, we've got a problem in your constituency. Yeah. This is happening and, and, and your government department isn't doing anything about it. I don't think there's been enough um, pressure on the government to take responsibility mm -hmm. for their... Um, workforce planning which has involved bringing people in that as yeah. you say are vulnerable yeah, yeah, and yeah. then just leaving them to it it's just and, not good and, enough and, and they don't you know if they, they may have come from countries where you know there's not a lot of trust in government yeah. departments and I think that's partly to do with it they they just don't really trust yeah, and they're quite right not to. No, yeah, yeah. They're quite right not to because the difficulty in this country is there's a presumption with our sort of um, market model of economics, that they'll, they'll put all these rights in place in the law, but you leave it to the poor person to find the money and the right people to yeah. pursue those rights. And yeah. it's, yeah. it's just nonsense. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. always worried, you know. They'll, they, they'll be sent home and their visa hmm, status is that's right. taken off. Yeah. 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 So um, talk, talk a little bit about the employment agreement. Yeah, we should really. That, can't be, on that. Yeah. that can't be changed without consultation, can it? Because uh, we get that a little bit. Someone's no, it can't be changed with consultation either. No, but, yeah, but what I'm saying is if, as, if both parties don't agree to a change. Yeah, what you've got in the Employment Relations Act is a provision called um, the variation. 
Yeah. And it's a legal term. It means that there's a slight contract law. They're saying, look, there's an employment agreement in place. The terms of that agreement, whether it's the hours of work, the rate of pay, or whatever else is in that employment agreement that someone agreed to start and work under, mm. can't be changed, can't be varied, mm. unless it's in agreement and in writing. Mm. So... There's no obligation in a consultation process for either party to agree. There's actually simply got to be agreement. Yeah, that's if right. If there isn't, they could have consulted. People are free, free to say no. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, the, and the one that exists stands. That's right. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. There are a word of caution on that, though, Anna. If somebody does propose something and they never get round to writing it off and someone accepts the model that's being proposed like a variation in hours of work and starts working them, the court will will assume that after a reasonable period of time, if they haven't complained, they've effectively accepted it. So sitting, diving for cover and not doing anything is not a safe model. Again, it's a bit like what I said at the start of this interview. If you're a bit concerned about it and the boss has come and said, I want some changes, sit down with someone that can help you. Just write a little note to the boss saying, look, you talked to me on Friday about this. I don't agree. Mm. Yeah. Keep a record. Yeah. Because it's like like setting a precedent, eh, if you start. Yeah working that and then, you know, start complaining about it a few months down the road. So too late. Yeah, yeah it's too late, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so tell us about tell us about labour inspectors. Okay. MB's yep. service. I think people get a bit there's a big misunderstanding about labour inspectors. So in New Zealand we've got a system of employment law that's really got three parties. It's got the employee, the workers. Mm-hmm. It's got the employers, which will be small businesses, big corporations, whatever the size of it, legally they're employers and they've got some sort of legal personality as an employer and as a business. And then there's the state. Outside of that, of course, you've got the people involved, the employer and the employees, they might have their organisations and unions as well. But at, at the core of it is, the, is those three. And the state has limited its responsibilities to what's in statute. Statute means anything that's written law. And the main written laws that people think about when they think of a labour inspector and their jurisdiction and powers are limited, very limited, just to what's in the Employment Relations Act, the Holidays Act, the Wages Protection Act and some other acts of parliament that talk about regulating um, some of the rules about which um, employment must operate under in this country. So if you've been underpaid in your wages, you can't go to a labour inspector except for any amount that relates to below the minimum wage or outstanding holiday pay. Mm-hmm. Everything else is your personal responsibility through your union or through a lawyer or a representative to, to recover yourself. And you take that to the Employment Relations Authority. Yeah. So you go past mediation if, if you can't resolve it at mediation and you go to the Employment Relations Authority... And you have to prove, you know, you have to prove a timetable or wage and time records that shows that you haven't been paid properly. And I'll just say on that, just for people out there, the note keeping is great because there's a presumption in law, employment law, that if you turn up at the Employment Relations Authority with a diary or calendar dates and hours that you worked and the employer hasn't produced wage and time records because they've been slack, then the Employment Relations Authority is going to find in favour of the employee because they've produced records. Yeah. So really an important thing, if you've got dodgy employers or employers that are just a bit fast and loose and they're underpaying, you, you've got a chance of getting at least the minimum wage if that's not being complied with. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about your service, you know, the well, WorkRights service, yeah. and, and maybe what's the most common issues that, 
that you see, you know, in your work or, or the people that come to you as it relates to migrants? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's the problem. It's not just migrants. There's, no. that, gen- there's, that, gen- yeah. there's that general problem that both migrants and everybody else that's in the workforce here have, which is, for whatever reason, um, we're a country of a lot of small businesses. You're working alongside the owners in a lot of instances. People are very reluctant to raise issues, and this goes against them later because it gets very expensive if the problem gets out of control. <laughs> but what that means is that when they come to us, it's it's very late in the day. That's why I've been mentioning employment.govt.nz yeah. Yeah. so that people at least think think about identifying the problem. They don't have to win or lose on a battle thing like that, but they need to show that they attempted to raise it. And even if they put in their diary, I spoke to the boss today about this, I wasn't happy. If you turn up with that in the Employment Relations Authority 12 months down the track, the Employment Relations Authority investigating member is going to love it. They're going to be able to refer to it, yeah. refer to it and put it in their decision because it'll be about the history of good faith and the communication between the parties. And if someone can turn up and say, look, I do remember it and I've actually made a note in my diary at the time or I spoke to a family member who, whatever. So there's that, there's that sort of thing going on. By the time they come and see us, I, have, I deal with a lot of people um, who are distressed. Um, more recently, actually, I've dealt with more people that have left the job because it's unbearable rather than being fired. Yeah. So I'm doing yeah. a lot of constructive dismissal cases and um, people talk a lot about workplace bullying, but there's not very good law on workplace bullying in New Zealand um, because we've got deliberately created separate health and safety law where there are no individual rights except for um, expensive civil cases in the high court to chase employers for harm at work. And bullying, where it's creating stress, mental distress, um, is a form of harm under that act. But to get a remedy under that act is effectively impossible. Yeah. I've, you know, I've talked to unions and even they've, they've taken one or two cases under the health and safety law, but it's just so expensive. And I think it was deliberate. I think it was put in place to keep um, workers out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you mean situations where it's sort of like micromanaging or someone just... Yes. Yeah, all those models of, you know, again, you can look at what workplace bullying is, either go to the um, WorkSafe New Zealand website. They've been sort of sla- slapped across the wrist, I think, and told not to put so much in there, but there still is a bit. But, yeah, it's it's a very difficult area because in the end you've got to make sure you've got a doctor's report and a history of seeing the doctor and showing that the employer was at least aware there was a problem that they could remedy. Because, yeah. so, you know, there's all sorts of things that can go wrong at work that the employer is responsible for, and they don't have a lot of control if it's somebody else on the staff or somebody they're unaware of on the management team that's causing the problem unless someone tells them, well, hey, we've right. got a problem. Yeah. So, again, it comes back to what I said, a good system, confident communication about the problem. Don't take a win-or-lose approach, yeah. but be sure that you can prove that you actually raised it. Because when, when someone like me comes in later on down the track, we can say, well, this was the date it was raised on. How did you deal with it? Mm. Mm. Well, I remember a, a while back a case, you know, a big employer here, and there's a, un, there's a union, you know, they've got a collective, but then there's other people that are on individual employment contracts. But a lot of people were feeling the same about someone in sort of senior management, but no one really wants to do anything about it. Um, and it seems to be have been going on for years and years and years, this person... Mm-hmm getting away with just underhand, subtle sort of just, 
hassling people all the time and you know I and, think and I think there's a better knowledge now we've got HR people who will I communicate with them directly and I'll say look we've got this person here's the notes yeah here's the notes they've been making as they've gone home in tears each day right so do you have sort here's of a, a timeline yeah, yeah yeah so what what you're doing is you're helping these people you're connecting with the representatives of the employer yeah. So you have relationships with HR people? Or yeah, well, you have to. And I mean, just generally. So if someone came to you, even if it never went anywhere, you would might give them a phone call and say, look, this is happening. Not yeah. without their consent. But but um, what what I would do is say to people, give us the details. Right, we've got the details. Do you want me to contact the HR person or do you, are you comfortable doing it yourself? Yeah. Because workplace investigations have become quite significant. That's probably the most important thing about the bullying business, that changed quite a bit in recent years Mm. all right cool well um thank you to all for having us and to those listening today um thanks for new and kia ora philip for sharing your expertise with us um and remember everyone that citizens advice bureau can advise on any of these issues we've covered today as philip's mentioned the employment.govt.nz website is fantastic our our own website www.cab.org.nz um, covers a lot of these issues as well and you can put in questions you know what happens if I'm being bullied at work a whole lot of stuff will come up some some will refer to that website but um, our website can answer stuff for you as well um, so we're available at um, the on the ground 4 at 155 Princes Street in Rogers House if you want to walk in we're also available 0800 367 222 or 471 6166 um, yeah and like I said, our website's got comprehensive information and you can also make an online inquiry via our website too. So, noho ora mai rā. Stay well, look after yourself and goodbye. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. Thanks, Anna. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.